0: The following audio is from All Saints Church. For more information about the church, please visit our website at allsaintsgb.org. Our New Testament reading this morning comes to us from Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph... When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. God, we thank you for your word. So I know oftentimes I will quote things and sing things and date myself, but one of, the, one of my favorite songs by Stevie Wonder if you know who Stevie Wonder is, is a song called Signed, Sealed, Delivered, I'm Yours. But have you ever had the experience where everything you saw that said signed, sealed, delivered was not yours? Ever had a package that you ordered become a great mystery to you? Where in the world is it? A message I received uh, for about three weeks from stamps.com was this message, package in transit. And as I tracked my little paring knife that I bought from like a place called Cutting Edge, I mentally noted that it had been signed out by the merchant as leaving Knoxville, Tennessee. It had been sealed by the US Postal Service. They gave it a tracking number, but I watched curiously online as this little parcel made its way every few days from Knoxville to Chicago, closer, to Oshkosh, just an hour away, to Des Moines, Iowa, to Atlanta, Georgia, to Nashville, Tennessee, to back to Knoxville. And when it was finally marked as delivered, I, I questioned reality as it was nowhere to be found on my stoop or in the mailbox. And I immediately began suspecting, you know, someone, has stolen the package off the stoop. Until I reached deeper into the mailbox and figured out probably why this package had so much trouble being delivered. The package was teeny tiny, almost the size of a pencil. And it finally made sense to me why a package that was signed, sealed, and delivered was not at least right away mine and in my hands. The writer of the Gospel of Matthew has had a package stolen from him as well. Because word has spread over the years since Jesus has left the building, has left the earth, that the package that he was, labeled Messiah, was to be returned. Just take it back to Amazon. Go to Kohl's and take it back to Amazon. And the main reason for the return wouldn't be that it, he didn't fit right or he was not what people ordered. The main reason in Jewish circles for Jesus' return would be summarized in two words in the other category as you're filling out the reason for your return. The reason why the Jewish audience had such difficulty in believing Jesus was the signed, sealed, and delivered package of Messiah from God was this, two words, virgin birth. A virgin it's a woman who's never had relations with a man, would deliver a child into the world. It was inexplicable. It was impossible for those two words to coexist. So let's send Jesus back in search of a better fitting Messiah. And the explanation that had been circling around Matthew's day that was given was that Jesus himself was illegitimate. He was a bastard son. He was born out of wedlock from a father other than Joseph and therefore he was not to be believed as the fulfillment of all of God's people's hopes. So Matthew begins his gospel, his convincing that Jesus is the Messiah. After giving us 17 verses of genealogy connecting Jesus to Abraham, the father of faith, and to David, the king of the Jews, he begins with these words in verse 18. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. It's Matthew's aim in this gospel to convince his mainly Jewish audience otherwise. To convince them that the rescuer of all humanity is signed, sealed, and delivered. And then to ask them this question, will you make him yours? It's a question I want to ask each one of us here today. And we're going to focus on three questions. Three questions that Joseph, who is the focus of Matthew's gospel, Mary is the focus of Luke's gospel, but Joseph is the focus of Matthew's. And he's a man, church history has nicknamed something. If you know this, Joseph's nickname in church history is what? Quiet Joseph. Because, fun fact Joseph never speaks a word in Scripture, he never says anything. But he does some things that are pretty significant. And so we're going to get into Joseph's mind a little bit and maybe ask some of the questions that Joseph might have been asking and he's asking us. They might sound a little Jerry Springer, so bear with me, okay? These are the questions I want us to ask this morning. If I'm not the baby's daddy, then who is? So we're going to look for the sign. If I didn't make this baby, then who did? We're going to look for the seal. And if I will adopt him as true, will you? We're going to look at the delivery. First, we're going to look at the sign. If I'm not the baby's daddy, then who is? Let's look at verses 18 to 19. And for the sake of helping us get into Joseph's sandals for a second, I'm going to remove a key phrase, which we'll cover in the next point. So I want you to listen to what I'm about to read. I don't want you to look at it. I want you to just listen to this as if you were Joseph. And imagine your response, okay? Mary had been betrothed to Joseph. And betrothal, it's more than an engagement. It is like a year-long legal binding contract in which both parties have agreed to live the rest of their lives together as husband and wife, but they've yet to have that final ceremony. Okay, That's what betrothal is. It's different from engagement. And before they came together... Which is a polite way of saying, before they had sexual relations, which was part of the final ceremony, Mary was found to be with child. Almost literally, had a bun in the oven. That's how the Greek translates, almost. Let's read that again. Before they came together, Mary was found to be with child. Can you imagine being Joseph? And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. So Joseph is not saying anything in this passage. Friends, I would have a whole lot to say about a woman I was planning on marrying getting pregnant with another man's child. But what does Joseph do? He says something by what he does. He shows compassion and conviction. He listens and responds to God's law, which is what it means for him to be a just man. In the book of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 22, it gives several commands of what you should do in a situation like Joseph's sin. This woman could be stoned, but he follows not the letter of the law, but the spirit of the law. Instead of shaming Mary and making her pay by making her deed public, look what Joseph does. He resolves to sign the divorce papers quietly, in the hidden, is how it's translated, with two witnesses. And what is Joseph signing saying? He's saying, this woman is not my wife, and this child is not my son. This woman is not my wife, And this child is not my son. That's what he'd be signing. So for the Jewish listeners to Matthew's gospel, they have to scratch their heads and wonder about this man's signature and response. It seems so counterintuitive to them. Why not bring her on, Jerry Springer? You know, why not rub the shame in her face? Why not stone her? I remember in college, dating a girl and kissing her goodbye for the summer break. And then receiving a call from her in the beginning of July to let me know, Hey Chad, I'm engaged. I was so confused. I was so hurt. I was so angry. I wanted to tell everyone what she had done to hurt me. I wanted to gather a troop of people who would be on my side proverbially to stone her and her reputation. But Joseph says nothing. Instead, he resolves to sign the papers which simply say, the woman is not mine and the child is not mine. Joseph's response is a gospel response. It has justice, that not mine, but it has justice combined with compassion. Joseph is still treating Mary and the child as if they were his, not shaming them. The sign, the signature on quiet Joseph's response, friends, it's the character of God. Who could have easily signed the papers to a rebellious humanity with, not mine, but he still treats us not as our sins deserve. So I want to ask us this question. How might God's signature, God's sign, start to look like yours? Maybe I ask the question, who has wronged you? That you have the jury in your head and in your heart saying, crucify him or crucify her. You might be even completely justified to take that person to court. But you quietly forgive the matter and walk away. No further explanations given. No discussion or dissertation that you write on Facebook to let everybody know. No. No. The handwriting of Joseph on this signature doesn't look like earthly human beings who want to just cancel everybody and make everyone pay. Any wrongdoer needs to pay. No, it looks like the pen and the ink is coming from the throne room of heaven and it's signed with his hand. Give up the need to be seen as right. Give up the desire to be the shame storm on someone else's life. No the sign how Joseph responded to not being Jesus' father has clearly come down from heaven. But second, let's look at the seal. If I didn't make this baby, Joseph might be asking, please tell me who did. Look with me at verse 20. But as Joseph considered these things, behold... The gospel writer of Mark loves to use the word immediately to get our attention, but Matthew is going to love to get our attention with this word, behold, or look. He says, look, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit you got to imagine, Joseph's probably lost a lot of sleep over this botched betrothal, right? What should I do? What will people think? But have you ever, like, struggled with a decision and then you just finally make that decision and you sleep the best night of your life? That's quiet Joseph. He's resolved to do the right thing, to head quietly to the rabbi's place to sign the paperwork, and then in a dream, A messenger of God steps into his REM sleep with first a title and then a command. Title, he says, is this, Joseph, son of David. He reminds Joseph of his royal bloodline. No one else is called a son of David in Scripture except who? Jesus. Jesus. Joseph has a powerful place in the storyline of Messiah because Joseph is next in line to be king. Joseph is king if Israel still had a king. Quiet, humble carpenter Joseph is called king. And Joseph then, as king, has power to make edicts, to seal documents in wax with his ring. That's what kings do. They seal and they mark things as their own. And the angel says to him, this is who you are, Joseph. You are a son of a king called to be a great king, called to give your seal, your kingly seal on the deal that's going on here. That's why he is called son of David. Then he's given a command. King. Don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Notice, friends, it's not don't be afraid of the angel. That, always, that happens a lot in Scripture. Don't be afraid of me. Everything's okay. No, he doesn't say don't be afraid of me. He says don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Where is Joseph's fear? In identifying himself as Mary's husband. In setting himself as a seal on Mary's life. The angel's saying, Don't be afraid what people will say of you, think of you, judge you. Don't be afraid of that. Why? Because the human body that's forming inside of her is from the Holy Spirit. What would be the sign that the Messiah age has come? What would be the sign that Messiah has come? The seal that marks it, friends. The seal that this new kingdom was beginning. All things are being made new. The Jewish audience who's hearing this knows what the sign is. The sign is the Spirit. Let me share with you a few examples of how they would know that. Isaiah 11 says, And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon the Messiah. The Spirit of wisdom and understanding, counsel and might. The Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Isaiah 42, behold my servant whom I uphold, my chosen, my Messiah, in whom my soul delights, I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. The seal that marks who did this, who made this baby, is the Holy Spirit of God. Friends, I get frustrated as a pastor confession, when I see the Spirit's role being minimized and morphed into something that's just super spiritual and having zero to do with humanity and even less to do with Jesus. But I want to ask you a question. When you think about the Spirit's role in Scripture, where does the Spirit first show up on the scene in the beginning of the Bible? Where? Right at the beginning in Genesis 1. What was the Spirit doing in Genesis 1? Making heaven and earth. Making stuff. That's what the Spirit does. The Spirit makes stuff. And the Spirit then shows up in Matthew 1. Doing what? Making Jesus into a human being. If you want to do a litmus test of where you find the Spirit at work, friends, it's not just in speaking in tongues, unless those tongues are making much of Jesus as being fully God and fully man. The Spirit did that. There is no Jesus in the flesh without the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit is the seal that now is in us, Scripture says. He's making us, guaranteeing what's going to be finished, a world without sin, suffering, and pain. That's what the Spirit's doing. This passage, friends, is a call to us to listen to the Spirit, not to feel warm fuzzies inside of us, but like Joseph, to heed the call as royal children to say, Spirit, what are you making? What are you making right now? That's what the spirit is all about, making much of Jesus. What is the work that Jesus did and we are called to make much of? Look at verse 21. Mary, she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Part of Joseph's command is to name the next king in the line. His name is Jesus, Yeshua. The Lord is salvation. The Lord will bring you rest. King Joseph is going to have a naming ceremony in declaring him King Jesus, the Lord saves. Verse 22 says, All this took place to fulfill, to bring to completion what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, look! The virgin shall conceive, says to Joseph, Joseph, rest assured, Mary is a virgin. She's not been with any other man. You don't, you're not betrayed. And bear a son. It's a boy, Joseph. You've got a son, Joseph. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. God has come to be with you and the rest of the world, Joseph. Isaiah 7, which Jacqueline read earlier, this original prophecy was written to a fearful king, King Ahaz, in in that passage. And King Ahaz was asking the question, who's going to save Israel from these enemies that keep coming in on us? And here is the sign being brought to completion. This boy born of a virgin will. This son will. God is going to show up on the scene like a firefighter coming to the rescue to save us and the spirit of god is the seal who made this happen royal children princes and princesses of god sinners made saint what by the spirit which is sealing you are your hands now making of your life what by the spirit are your lives making Are you making much of yourself in your time, in your talent, in your treasures, or are you making much of Christ? Because a seal without the Spirit is going to crack and fall apart. Let us live Spirit-led lives of setting His royal seal on everything we touch, everything we make. He's making us into disciples. That we might become peace, not receivers, not peace consumers, but peace makers. Making peace where there's conflict, shining light where there's darkness, offering hope where there's despair, making disciples when there's so many lost sheep. The seal that's put upon our lives and put upon Christ in this new age to come is the Holy Spirit. Finally, the delivery. Sign, the seal, and the delivery. Joseph might be asking us today, if I will adopt him as true, will you? Look at the final two verses, verses 24 and 25 of this passage. Quiet Joseph speaks by what he does. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not, until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. The royal Joseph adopts Jesus as his own son. He, by wholehearted faith, by wholehearted believing in God's promises, sacrifices his reputation. He marries a pregnant woman. He sacrifices his conjugal rights. He waits to join her physically until after she has a baby. So to remove any doubt that this baby was born of heaven. And by the way, that word, until she had given birth to a son, should give clear evidence that Mary did not remain a virgin forever. And he sacrifices his own royal title. What do you know about Joseph after this few chapters? Nothing. He basically dies in obscurity after the first few years of Jesus' life to proudly and joyfully give his son the next in line for the throne, his God-given name, Jesus. It should read like both a coronation ceremony, Jesus, and an adoption ceremony, Jesus. I am his, and he is now mine. He is the king, and the rescue that my son brings is mine. Love, like Joseph displays here, comes through sacrifice. Through a giving up of himself so that others might live. One of the things, as I was studying this passage this week, that I think is so interesting is when we hear the name Joseph, where do we go with the story We probably picture Main Street plastic Josephs in the nativity outside somebody's yard, right? With a little staff standing out there, kind of paint peeling off of him. That's probably what we hear when we hear Joseph. We picture the father of Jesus. But when the Jewish audience hears the word Joseph, what do they think of? And you think of Old Testament Joseph... They hear the end of the book of Genesis. It's a book all about God making something happen. And Joseph was the favorite son of Israel, the favorite son of the father. He was a type of Jesus. And so as Joseph the carpenter names his son Jesus, in a way he's naming him after himself. Be Joseph. Be the better Joseph that was found in the Old Testament because What was Joseph in the Old Testament? He was a guy who was treated awfully by his family and left for dead. And instead of revenge, showing his brothers revenge, what did Joseph show them? He gave them forgiveness. Be that Joseph. Be the better Joseph. As you're left for dead on the cross and you cry out, Father, forgive them for what they've done to me. And Joseph was also a dreamer, he was given a dream from God like Joseph the carpenter was. And he carried out that dream in order to save Egypt and Israel from famine by saving up bread so that people could eat. When they hear this, when Jewish audience hear this, they say, Be the better Joseph, as Jesus is going to give his body to pay for sin and shed his blood to forgive his family members. He is going to fulfill the dream in saving his people from certain death. Both Joseph's were given a dream and responded to that dream by making it a reality. And his question, Joseph's question for you all is the same, for me is the same. If Joseph adopts Jesus as true, will you? Will you dare to believe that Jesus is the only one who can save you from your sin and yourself, from death and from hell? Will you, like Joseph, dare to sacrifice your reputation, your rights, and your crown for the one who was born in the most unbelievable way? Will you sign the rights to your life away to him? Will his spirit be what seals you to make decisions, not to make a name for yourself, but to make a kingdom which will never pass away? Will you adopt him as your saving son? So that when the Father looks at you, he no longer sees you like we no longer see Joseph. We see Jesus' perfection. The Savior of the world, Jesus Christ, has been signed, sealed, and delivered to you. Will you adopt him as your own? Let's pray. Father in heaven, Thank you for your son Born of a virgin Made by the Holy Spirit Not coming from human hands Or human efforts We pray, Father, that you would Help us as your people To be made into disciples You have put your seal upon us your own. And we pray that you would use us like you used Joseph to carry out your plan for salvation of the world. Help us, Father, to live like Joseph did with compassionate conviction that we don't shame people for their sin. We may separate ourselves, but Father, we show compassion to those who are sinners. Help us to do that. Help us, Father, again, to be peacemakers. We live in such a world of consumption, of take, 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 mine, mine, mine. I pray that we would be makers instead, to be using our hands, our words, our time, and our lives to create things, to create places of peace. And, Father, we pray that we would remember that Jesus, who was delivered by a virgin, came to deliver us. May we give all of our rights and all of our privileges over to him. It's in Christ's name we pray.